Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Toure. And I'm Danielle Moody. I'm deeply afraid of what's going on in this country. The direction that we're headed economically is incredibly frightening. I am just 1% made to feel a little better by the Senate bill that's probably going to get through the House later this week. But Mm -hmm. we are headed toward massive unemployment, 20, 25, maybe 30 percent. Lots of people unable to work for months and getting a piddling from the government. Getting two, three thousand dollars is not going to save people if they're not working for two, three, four months. I'm glad to see things like evictions being halted, but we're going to have people with significant economic problems. They are not going to be raring to go spend money the second that we are told that the virus is defeated. That's coming on April 12th, by the way. And we're going to see a lot of industry. Oh, oh, Uh, wait, that the virus is going to be defeated? mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. It's going to come just in time for Jesus's resurrection. (laughs) America's resurrection, super special day, Jesus. And a lot of industries are going to struggle. A lot of industries are really going to have a really hard time rebounding from this at all. And we have a leader who is thinking much more about how can I make this work for me politically rather than trying to make this work for the people of America. I notice when he does the insane daily briefing, which I never miss. I love watching. There's so much fun. He talks a lot about you Boeing. Have a, you have a stomach of steel. <laughs> he talks a lot about- Because stu- I can't stomach that bullshit anymore. He, he like, talks I a lot about our America's great companies. Do you notice he never mm-hmm. once talks about an American who has died because of corona? He has never you mentioned You would have to talk to people in of- order to get that. Well, there's that, too. I'm really afraid of where we are right now. How are you? You know, I am deeply unwell. And I'm just going to be honest. I haven't slept in the past two weeks. I'm a person, like most humans, that require at least, you know, seven, eight, nine hours worth of sleep. Nine hours? I wake She's up, got that kind of time. Yeah, some, I mean, yeah, I totally. <laughs> I don't have kids. So, uh, like, yeah, I, what am I waking get, up for? Snack time? That's how you time? get nine hours. They, they don't allow um, that. But... I have been waking up 
in the middle of the night, 3, 4 a.m., rolling over, picking up my phone, looking at Twitter, wondering if I've missed something, if, if catastrophe has hit even harder than it's already hitting. I think that, you know, I am a person that, not undiagnosed, I mean, armchair diagnosis that has like high levels of anxiety and stress. And, you know, staying home this entire time, not connecting with people, which I need to do where I get my energy from is weighing on me. I've been trying to have a lot of virtual dates. I mean, I talk to you at least, I don't know, 85 times a day. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So there's, so there's that, but it's, it's rough. And I think that it's all being exasperated by the fact that, I mean, we literally had Republicans get on television this week and say to the elderly, you know, Wow. Sacrifice yourself. Sacrifice your life for your for your grandchildren, but more so than that, for the fucking economy, for the Dow Jones. Right. That's what was said this week. That's insane. The cure. This is the this is by by also the pro-life party, by the way. This is this is the pro-life right. party that talked about Obama's health care as uh creating death panels. The Just cure FYI. Cannot be worse than the problem. And I appreciate the reporter in one of the insane daily briefings, I believe it was two days ago, who said, in what way Specifically, has the cure been worse than the problem? And of course, the president could not come up with any example of where that has been. But when you look for leadership, inspiration, guidance, any sort of emotional relationship with the audience, with the with the American people, the cure cannot be worse than the problem. We have to solve this medical crisis that we have. And then we can Mm -hmm. deal with the economy. In no possible way can we have millions of people afraid to go out, afraid that they're Mm -hmm. going to kill somebody in their life or somebody else's life. One person in this could could infect 59,000 other people. So you're not going to have that. But then everybody just go back to work, go back to your Easter Sunday service, and in the economy will just magically be booming. He thinks that people are just dying to go out to restaurants. I am dying to see other people and connect with them. But it's not like somebody's going to say the war is over and now we can all go back to hugging and being. It's going to be a while before I want to hug somebody, before I want to shake somebody else's hand, before I want to be before in a crowded I room. Before I want to sit down anywhere, before right. I want to take the subway, right. before I want to go into a restaurant, before I want to do a lot of those things. I think that we're, he, first of all, this idea that people are need to rush back to work because we need to save the economy, I don't know, I mean, I'm not a scientist, but I would assume that people need to be alive. Right. In order to work, I would think that they help the economy that in order to have a strong and vigorous workforce and economy, people would need to be well. Right. 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 So I'm confused about the idea here that we are going to once again put profit over people and rush people back in. It's not like Donald Trump is telling the American people that a vaccine is on the way. Right. Right. That we have been rigorously testing that our top scientists in this country are doing the work. 
No, he's not saying that at all. And to your point about have you heard him convey any stories and any any stories that would provide any type of insight into the empathy that he has for the fact that what's what's happening in this country right now is weighing on him as a president. Anytime that we would see Barack Obama, even fucking George W. Bush get up in front of the American people and say, I am with you. You could see the somberness because they're literally carrying the nation on their backs. Right. But you're watching now Donald Trump and all he's talking about. I mean, the glee that came over this man's face as he's talking about Burger King and McDonald's, the excitement that he had about announcing a non-existent website that Google was creating that was also bullshit. The, the, but never the, the once about an actual on, person or family. The insistence on making sure we know that he's doing a good job and he thinks that he's doing a good job. We have seen leadership in this situation from the governors, and perhaps we should yes. give a thanks to the founders for saying, hey, let's not have a federal government that controls everything because we have states that are in control of things. And no matter how much the president says, hey, I want everybody to go back to work. I want the economy back opened. Governor Cuomo, Governor Newsom, right? Governor Inslee do not need to pay Mm -hmm. attention. They are the ones who have shut down Washington, California, New York, and they don't need to respond when Trump says, I want things back open again. They are the ones who have told businesses, you need to send all your workers home, keep all your people home. So they don't need to jump when Trump says jump. And if you think that these are the only three states that are going to have a problem, that's insane. There also is Florida, Texas is growing. And Dr. Binks the other day in in one of the insane daily briefings, mm-hmm. she's one of the people who is actually, we can trust. She talked about, curves happening because of the moment of the beginning of the infection in different states. So New York, Washington, and California are at one level of the curve. Other states are just behind us. So the curve that we go right. through may be may may have a higher high than other places because at New York City and LA are much larger, obviously. But other states, other large states, other small states, Louisiana is going through it now, right? We'll have their own curves will have their own explosions to deal with. So, I mean, this is this is going to hurt everybody. This is going to hurt economically. This is already hurting emotionally. I'm getting a lot of texts recently in the last couple of days mm-hmm. from people I haven't talked to in a while who are like just reaching out to extended friends like, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? This is Same. an extraordinary situation. We're in war. The one thing that I will agree with Trump on is that we actually are at war, right? We are at war with an invisible virus that unfortunately we had a two month head start that he blew by referring to it as a hoax and putting no parameters in place in order to keep Americans safe. Now, I know that Republicans, when the blame falls squarely on their shoulders, like to say shit like, oh, well, now is not the time to blame. Right. Oh, motherfucker, I have all the time. I have all the time in the world <laughs> I'm at to home. blame right now. I got time to blame. Well, I'm at home. What, what the fuck else am I doing <laughs> except looking to blame this administration? Um But the reality is, is that, no, they did know they were warned. They, you know, the week before Trump's inauguration, the Obama administration ran through a series of drills to with cabinet members to say, this is how you guys need to get prepared. Half of the people that were in that room on the Trump side no longer are part of the administration. And the other ones that were there were asleep. 
as if it was some type of economics class 101 in fucking college. They were literally asleep. Motherfucker, we pay you to be awake. I, I'm, right? just, I'm confused because when I listen to Trump, I see him say, hey, I shut down travel from China because of the virus. I did that early. But then mm-hmm. he says, nobody could have seen this coming. And that's why I was calling this or a hoax until about three weeks ago. So which mm-hmm. is it that you were above, you were ahead of the curve, shutting down travel from China or that you were late and nobody could have seen this coming until it was all upon us. I, I don't know. It can't, both things can't be true. It, and I'm really mm. confused about the defense production act because he keeps saying that he has signed it, but then not, used it and companies are supposedly calling him without him asking and saying we are going to be making masks and ventilators and what have you so he has it but he doesn't use it but then the people on the ground are saying we don't have enough stuff we don't have enough ppes we don't have enough masks we don't have enough ventilators cuomo is crying out for ventilators so i don't understand i do not see a federal government that is helping the situation i see a senate that is trying to help i see a senate that started off on sunday doing what it normally does mitch mcconnell and the gop introducing a horrible bill that was essentially here manukin and trump here's 500 billion dollars to use as you wish that you can uh, let us know in six months what what you did with it. It was not a serious bill. They knew it would not get through, and they knew what would happen is Monday morning we would all wake up to reports in media saying Democrats block Corona bill. And media, including the New York Times, followed suit, did exactly the both sides' of coverage that we expect, that we know they're going to do, starting off saying Democrats block Corona coverage, or lawmakers in the, se- in the Senate bickers over corona help like that is not what happened and that sort of both sides this coverage is a huge barrier to the american people understanding what's actually happening it's a slush fund <laughs> like i don't know it's a slush fund that they put together 500 billion dollars to corporations with no strings attached you don't have to justify keeping on workers you can take all of that money all of our money taxpayer money and fire your entire workforce to cut your bottom line and stack your checks for your shareholders and your CEOs. I don't understand journalists now who don't get the reality of where we are and don't get how their both sidesism has fucking got us here. Right. It isn't both sides. It isn't both sides that's looking to ensure that corporations get the biggest breaks on top of the biggest tax breaks that they already received and the American people don't. I just, you know, it's always so interesting to me that everything is always considered, you know, socialism, the idea of healthcare for all, the idea of free college. When it is something that is offered to the masses, it's socialism. When it is offered to corporations, it's a fucking subsidy. Right. Right? It's something that is needed. I think that everyone in America needs health care, especially right now. I think that everybody needs relief from student loan debt. But anytime, if you listen to Republicans, if you really listen to what they are saying, people do not matter. No. They don't. 
No, no, they no. are willing to sacrifice the elderly. They're willing to sacrifice people with pre-existing conditions in order to make sure that the Dow Jones is ticking up. Right. Like, how the fuck do people keep voting Republican? I honestly don't know. Like, you at this point are just dumb. <laughs> no, they are definitely showing us a lack. Of, the GOP is definitely showing us a lack of concern for regular people. They are showing us their continued focus, their entire thesis is to help corporations and the wealthy. And the idea that this will somehow trickle down to regular people continues to be a huge part of their thesis. And it is completely wrong and it never works. And real people actually know that. And this turns people into progressives when they understand that. But this is where we are, that they are continuing even now. To fight mm-hmm. for the wealthy and the corporations. When Trump goes to these briefings, he talks about Boeing more than any single person <laughs> who has corona. I mean, you would he think He talks that- about the cruise line industry. Oh, I mean, you know, I can't with the cruise line industry. I do, I do, I do, I, I mean, I do look at the Insane Daily briefings as like my new favorite show. It's like a soap. <laughs> I, I watch it. <laughs> In real time, if at all possible, I watch every minute. I watch how Trump says insane things. I yell at the reporters for not asking the questions that I need them to ask. I want. I, I was yelling at them yesterday, ask Dr. Binks if she thinks that it's okay to go back on April mm-hmm. 12th. Right. And somebody and then but then sometimes Fauci or Binks will disagree with Trump, but they do it in a sort of elegant way without couching it in with all due respect. So you have to sort of listen to see like, oh, he just disagreed. He just said Trump doesn't know what he's talking about, but he did it in a sly way so that Trump doesn't realize what he just said. Pence coming in with his smooth lies. Trump just going nuts. Trump on prompter or Trump on uh, on talking points versus when the questions start to come and he starts the lying and the gaslighting and the madness. It's just, it's, it's just fun. I get so excited. I can, I, I don't, I should watch more of your boyfriend, Governor Cuomo's briefings <laughs> because he's he giving is, truth. You know, because he's a I real like, leader. I like strong people. Yes. He, I like strong people that know what the fuck they're talking about. He knows what he's talking okay. about. His his tone, his way is very leader-like. He explains mm-hmm. things in a way that makes sense. Trump is just unhinged. And I understand all the people who are saying, hey, we should stop airing this because this does not yes. provide uh, knowledge and comfort to people. This does not provide actual understanding of what's going on. It only confuses people. All I can say to that is it's my guilty pleasure. <laughs> I really like watching I him mean, go unhinged go, every day. You know, maybe he is a C-SPAN maniac. is showing it. Maybe C-SPAN will show it and it's full. But yesterday, for the first time, MSNBC didn't run it. MSNBC cut right? out. But I I watched on C-SPAN. They cut out. So. And so I'm saying that, like, it, it is, at this moment, it is a risk to the public safety and health of everyone in this nation to be fed a bunch of lies. You had, let me tell you, yesterday it was reported that Jerry Falwell Jr. Oh, good Lord. His his Liberty University down there in Lynchburg, Virginia, his white evangelical university, guess what they did yesterday? They welcomed back all 1,900 of their students. Oh, good Lord. 
Because because this is something that apparently you can pray away. Because God's in charge. Because God is in charge, right? And those that those that are suffering from the coronavirus, you know, it was their time anyway. Look, this is baby. some of the this is these are the white evangelicals that follow Trump and that believe that he's the second coming of Christ. This is not a joke. Maybe we should encourage Trump supporters, people who think Corona is just the flu, people who think it's a Democratic hoax. You guys go. Go out, go back to work, go on the subway, travel, do your thing. Don't ask why we call you the canaries in the coal mine. Just go do your thing and see what happens, and the rest of us will stay home. I, you know, I wish that that was the case if they all lived on an island to themselves. Mm, If they were all safe, we could ship all of them to Alaska. You know, I would say go with God, but don't, don't let your ignorance infect us, literally. Their ignorance is what is going to infect and and impact this country in a way that we have not seen. The WHO yesterday said that America is now on par to become the epicenter in the world, in the world of the coronavirus pandemic. And New York had a two month head start. And New York is about to be the America of America. I mean, you know what? I like President Cuomo and I'm good if he decides that he wants to secede. I already made that announcement on Twitter. I said, I'm good with it. People in California were like, what about us? I said, maybe we could build a bridge. Like, I don't know. But like, I'm good with the president of the United States of New York. I feel like he's got me and I got him. And if that's how we going to roll from now on. So be it. I mean, we'd probably be pretty good. I mean, you know, I think we, we'd be okay. We got farms. We have our own wine. We have, you know, 25, what, 25 million people. I mean, if Wall Street s- tried to secede from America, America would not allow that. Like other states could try to secede. If Florida was like, we out, like people might be like, okay, the Republicans would probably fight it more than Democrats, but they'd be like, okay, but like let let Wall Street try to secede from America. People would be like, oh, hell no. No, 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 I'm not just the saying, financial center of know, the country. When you think about it, Donald Trump says, I'm going to open the country. This is, I, this is what got me um, with some, some of the journalists and anchors are doing a fantastic job. Your friend Lawrence O'Donnell being one of them. And this week, he looked straight at the camera and he said, we have no president. Donald Trump isn't in charge of anything, nor did he shut anything down. So how does Donald Trump get to reopen a goddamn thing? Right. Right? He didn't shut anything down. The reason why you are currently working from home or are sheltered in place is because of your governor or your mayors or your county executives. It's a strange flag to stick in the ground as well, because we're going to clearly see on April 12th where we are. And Americans will clearly see we are not going back to regular life economically, medically, none of that. We are continuing social distance. And Trump said that this was the day. And it uh, will it not appear obvious to everybody that he is not the leader, that he's saying everybody go left and everybody went right? I mean, like, I would think if he was more vague, like we're going to get back to it soon, that would be something that he could stand on. Soon is always soon. 
right? It's always <laughs> about to come, right? It's always, it's it's abstract, right? It's vague. But like April 12th, like Easter will come and go. The churches, you know, like, like the newspapers and MSNBC and CNN will be able to show like churches empty because the Pope and others said, please don't come. We want to save lives. And it the will Pope be a clear circumvention Easter. of what Trump is talking about. The Pope already canceled Easter. Right. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he was already like, do you know what? We're not doing it this year. Hit me in 2021. But because Italy is on lockdown. Also praise Tokyo for pushing back the Olympics, which is supposed to happen in July. (laughs) I know know those folks that are just listening to us couldn't see my dramatic eye roll, but my God. My God. Interesting question from one of the folks watching on the live stream. How are they going to walk back the Easter deadline? Because nobody in the White House wants to admit that they said something wrong. I I haven't seen this White House walk anything back. They seem to think that the things they said in the past did not happen. We currently have a president who's saying, Mm -hmm. no, I never said it was a hoax. We have you on tape in front of several thousand people saying this is the new Democrat hoax. You use that word. So I I imagine that April, that Easter will come and he'll say, this is what we need to do now. I never said that. I never. Yeah. (laughs) It just just never happened. this This is what happens when you have a media and a public that doesn't hold a president accountable that mm-hmm. doesn't hold this president accountable for anything that he says. I mean, look, we are at a stage and I don't know if the Washington Post is still doing its fact check, but the last time I looked at it, it was well into 17,000 lies that this motherfucker has sh- told since the beginning of his presidency. I mean, we're asking somebody to tell us the truth and be forthright when he told us to not believe our lying eyes at the crowd size for his inauguration, but just to believe the numbers that he him and Sean Spicer cooked up. I mean, so of course, if April comes, Easter comes, he'll be like, oh, I didn't mean this Easter. <laughs> I didn't I mean the Easter, Easter in this in this particular day. country. I meant so I meant something else. You know uh, what I wish we had, and this might piss off some people to hear me say it, but I wish that we had a stronger leader of the Democratic Party who could truly Mm. stand up and forcefully articulate what we should be getting and not somebody who goes on television like the vice president does and says he's a bad president and immediately apologize for saying that, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said it that way. He is not a forceful enough communicator at this stage in his life. He is not strong enough. He is not tough enough. I thought that we wanted somebody who would linguistically uh, and symbolically punch Trump in the nose. We did not uh, vote for that. We voted for somebody who was safe, nice, decent, nice, uh, competent, but, you know, been there, done that. Okay. But like, I'm I am I watch the few times that he steps in front of cameras and I am not moved in terms of inspiration. I am not moved in terms of strength. I am not I do not see the force and power of the intellect and the spirit that I saw in Elizabeth Warren, that I saw in Kamala Harris, that I saw in Bernie Sanders even. And Bernie lost. 
Fine. I accept that and I understand that. It was not his time and he was not uh he did not make the right approach to black voters. I understand that. But I do not see a democratic standard bearer at this point who is of the strength that I would hope for him to be and to have the ideas, to present the ideas that make me say, that's the person I want dealing with this coronavirus situation rather than the maniac that we have. Oh, I have somebody. And I know you won't be shocked, but there is a certain governor who seems to be doing a fantastic job, who seems to be telling the truth, who is strong, who is articulate, who is forthright, who is a bully in his own right, in all of the right if fucking only ways. I, and if he, if I could write him in, if I could write in Andrew Cuomo for the 2020 ticket instead of waiting until 2024, oh, I definitely I would. I mean, I would, I would love to vote for Andrew Cuomo. I would vote for Andrew Cuomo. I think he would be a strong campaigner. I know that he is a strong communicator. Cuomo speaks in direct sentences. He does not yes. abandon his sentences in the middle of them. He does not contradict <laughs> no, his sentences not. in, in the middle of them. You know, Biden does the thing that Kerry used to do, where he puts in these clauses that contradict his own sentence, which kind of waters down the force of it. And, you know, I'm, I, I think that Biden will win. I see the, the the some of the political scientists talking about Biden only needs to win 39% of the swing states, whereas Trump will need to win 66% of the swing states. And if Trump does not win Florida, then he really has no chance. Mm-hmm. But it, it makes me very nervous to go into battle with somebody I, who I think is not okay. a good communicator. I mean, here's the thing. I, you know, it's not even the fact that I'm concerned about Biden's communication because Trump can't complete a full fucking sentence and he has the vocabulary of that of a kindergartner. So yeah, I'm not he's so concerned about he, that. But He what, is a good communicator. I, he is a powerful communicator. He makes you feel what he wants you to, to feel. He, he I don't think that he wants the, me to feel pure rage. I don't think that he wants me to feel like I could murder somebody. I don't think that he wants to conjure that kind of energy. No, but he's not speaking to us, right? And they, and what he communicates is is horrible, is simplistic, is dumb, is racist. But to the people who he's talking to, they feel it on a very deep level. I mean, like, just... just, so, just do, so do Bernie Sanders supporters. But here's the thing. I thought Bernie much Sanders like was a powerful Bernie, communicator. Much like Bernie Sanders... But much like Bernie Sanders fell into this same trap in this primary, he didn't expand his base. Donald Trump cannot win with Republicans alone. He cannot win with just 30 percent of the population. Now, what concerns me is not so much Biden cutting himself off in the middle of sentences and whether or not he is a a communicator or somebody that can inspire passion in people. Because frankly, before the coronavirus pandemic, we saw people turning out at the polls in 2016 levels that we need. We need Obama levels, right? But we saw people coming out in droves to vote for Joe Biden. Biden. So but what concerns me right now is the polling numbers for Donald Trump that show him at 49 percent approval rating. And I'm like, how, who, who, who is being questioned? Who is being called? What kind of questions are they asking for anybody to look at Donald Trump right now and be like, oh, yeah, he's doing a great fucking job. Like, are you dumb? Like, I, that, I th- can't it, see it's it. just I don't understand I, I, I don't I don't see it. I don't see it. And so, you know, 
I think that if we have an election, and I've been talking about this to you with you and on Democracy-ish for months, that I have said that I didn't believe that we were going to make it to November 2020. I didn't think it was a virus that was going to take us out, but that I believed that Trump would get poll numbers that he did not like in October and that he would call some type of martial law or do something to postpone the election. Now, that is a very real thing, because in this current stimulus package or relief package or whatever the fuck it is, slush fund, which is what I prefer to call it, in there, Nancy Pelosi and Democrats wanted to put in a provision that would allot $2 billion to have the entire country be able to do the election through mail-in vote. And do you know what Republicans, you know what fucking Moscow Mitch said about that? He said that that was a sham and he said that this was partisanship and that that shouldn't go into the bill. $2 billion. That's how much it would cost to ensure that every American that is eligible to vote could fucking vote in November, coronavirus or not. Part of their whole thing is to make sure that we don't all vote. This is not a both sides issue. It has been critical to the GOP in recent years to make sure that large parts of the country don't vote. They approach it almost surgically with the gerrymandering, with uh, uh, finding voter ID, with finding ways to disenfranchise or make it hard for black, uh, brown, young people to vote, Democratic voters, classic Democratic voters. They are surgically making it hard for us to vote on purpose. This is not something that, this is not a game that Democrats are playing. This is a game that Republicans are playing. And the notion that they would participate in some bill that makes it easier for uh, millions of voters to actually get to the polls. No, of course they're not going to participate in that. And you would think, I mean, like the ideal to me would be to be mm -hmm. like Australia and to come to force by law, every person, every citizen must vote. Yeah. If you're in Australia, you must vote or you must have some excellent doctor level uh, excuse of why. Now, you can go to the polls and vote none of the above. You don't have to choose any individual, but you must right, but you vote. You vote. must participate in the system. If we have to pay taxes then mm -hmm. why do we not have to participate in the system? Because this is better for the politicians that the fringes vote rather than the masses, right? If we compelled everyone to vote, the people in the middle who are less passionate and perhaps less informed in many situations, they would show up. But their less informed nature is fine. That Every voter does not have to be reading uh, – the Nation and the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times every day. That's not necessary. Everybody's vote matters. But we allow more than half of the country, even with Trump on the ballot, more than half of the country does not show up. We're getting an 100 million people sat down in 2016. A 100 million people that were eligible to vote didn't vote. We're getting an interesting question that keeps coming up from somebody. Yeah. Um, should Biden ask Michelle Obama to be his vice president? Um, the idea of Michelle Obama as vice president continues to float through Democratic heads because we love her. She's an amazing yes. person. She's a brilliant person. She is one of the most admired people in America. She is also somebody who did not want Barack to run 
<laughs> for mm-hmm. elective office the first time, did not really want him to run for president, was not really happy with, I mean, I'm sure she was happy being first lady, but she's not the one who was like, you know, let's get out there and do this. He was the one who wanted to do this. I don't think that deep in her soul, she has a desire to be part of the system. And now that she's out, I don't think that there's any desire to go back into the system. I would rather see somebody who really... I mean, I don't think there's any chance that she would say yes, right? I think it's sort of there's a, no chance. I, I, it's a fantasy look, notion. Michelle, o- Michelle Obama and her family and her daughters and her husband gave us eight years. Yeah. They gave us eight years of their life, eight years of racist ta- attacks, eight years of the most horrendous partisanship led by Republicans that we have ever seen. So- I think not only like, yes, do I love Michelle Obama? Do I think that of she's course. amazing? Of do, course. Of course I do. Would I but vote do for I her? Think of course. That she, do I think that she has sacrificed enough and given up enough for a country that did not did not deserve them? Yeah, I do. And, you know, frankly, they're they're not they're not part of like, you know, the Clinton dynasty where like to your point right. that Michelle Obama had some type of aspirations to be a senator, to be a cabinet member, to be president of the United States in the way that Hillary Clinton did. Right. And and, and nothing against Hillary for wanting that. But that's not who Michelle is. So we are trying right. to make her something she's not. And I also think that a lot of the. The pride, the joy, the admiration that we would get from Michelle being in that position. I mean, nobody is Michelle, but Kamala Harris can give you all the feels. Stacey Abrams can give you all the feels. And for me, you know, I would like to see a black woman on the ticket because black Mm -hmm. people are critical to having put Biden in this position from Obama to Clyburn to the black voters throughout Mm -hmm. the South and the Midwest. But if it's Elizabeth Warren, I would be very, very happy. And that would be an interesting way to shout out to the progressive side that is saying we feel unseen in this moment of the country, the the party rising up to choose Biden. That would be very interesting. I am looking for a way to feel emotionally tied to this ticket, because if you think this is a purely intellectual decision, you are wrong. This is an emotional decision. And I do not. I look at Biden and I am not emotionally tied to this person. I hate Trump just as much as everybody. But we have to give voters a reason to vote for somebody, not just against. And well, if we I can, have to. You know, here's the thing that I'll say is that if our current situation If our current pandemic, if the fact that we have no adult at the wheel Mm -mm. and we have a party that is led by a man that is driven by profit and self-serving interests, if this moment of of terror— the idea that your grandparents, your your uh, friend that may be suffering from diabetes or has just recovered from cancer or has asthma or emphysema, the idea that they could end up dying alone, right, from this pandemic, that there were no parameters, nothing was put in place to limit the amount of deaths that were going to happen. If that is not enough of a driver to get you to vote, then you are lost, You are lost because let me tell you something. And I I said this before the pandemic happened. Love is not what is driving people to the polls. It is not what is driving people. It is not what got them to vote for Joe Biden. It was not love. It was being practical. It was being strategic. It was being thoughtful about how we move forward. And if you don't recognize in this grave moment of fucking danger 
that we are in right now. That we are here. We are in. We are in fucking Dante's Inferno because of Donald Trump. Then I have nothing else to say to you. There is no convincing you. If you're going to sit on the couch and sit on the fucking couch. I mean, look, the choice could not be more stark. The first major thing that Obama did when he finished with the crisis that he was handed by the Republican president before him was pass Obamacare, was pass the ACA. The thing that Nancy Pelosi hung the 2018 election on that won her back the House was health care. What Democrat, mm-hmm. what the modern Democratic Party most wants to do, the first conversation in all the debates was around health care and Medicare for all and how you're going to pay for it and what version of Medicare for all you are for. The number one thing that Democrats want to do is talk about how we're going to take care of your health. And we have a president who is currently petitioning the Supreme Court to end Obamacare and is telling us, screw your health, get back out there, go to church, go to work. Let's get back on the track here, even if it infects millions of people, because the cure cannot be worse than the problem. I mean, if you put it in a movie, you wouldn't believe it. Right. This sort of Mm -mm. a stark choice between the party that cares deeply and politically about your health and making sure that you have access to doctors and the party that's like, no, no, you'll be fine. It's just a flu. It's cool. Get back out. Take some Tussin. Get back to work. (laughs) Take some Tussin. (laughs) The Tussin takes care of everything. Everything. Oh, my God. All right. Give every American a ginger ale. You'll be fine. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody. And we'll be back next week if there's still a country. Yeah, it used to be funny, but, you <laughs> it's know. It's not funny anymore. It's uh-huh. so real. <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks, Joe. folks. All right, peace. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.